0: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
1: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on KSLPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed. It celebrates their triumphs and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Rocky Mountain Region and your host for Upholding Valor. I'm joined by an extraordinary healthcare provider who lays awake at night thinking about COVID-19 and how she can best care for veterans, her staff, and of course herself. She puts her patients above her own fears because that's what you do as a health care provider. The worst part is waiting. She thrives when she's treating, caring for, and making a sick veteran well again. And while we have not felt the surge this hospital planned for, you never know what tomorrow will bring. Please welcome Amy Cowan. She's a hospitalist for VA. Thank you, Amy, so much for being here. I know this is a busy time for you. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: How are you doing, first of all? Let's start with that. How are you feeling today? What's your stress level like? How, how, what, what's big picture looking like for Amy right now?
1: I think it's an evolving picture. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Today, so I I finished a week on service. It was busy, um, so it's kind of nice to come
0: up for air. When you say busy, tell me what a typical day is like for you, because I think it's so important to know what you're seeing and experiencing, um, trying to save lives here. We're we're documenting history, and and we certainly want to learn from this experience. So what is... A typical day like for you right now?
1: A typical day is I get up um, and while I drink my coffee at home I'm reviewing charts, I'm looking at labs, I'm vital signs, I'm basically trying to get sort of my head wrapped around what am I going to walk into when I come to the hospital. Um, I meet my team um, and then we do a, a quick huddle um, which is very important to me, and that's just sort of a chance to kind of find our center. Um, Often,
0: what does that look like? The huddle, fi- find the center. You're, you're checking yeah. in. With yeah, your I'm staff. checking
1: in. So I basically just ask if if the if the team can can sort of pull themselves away from um, their screens, and if we can just sort of circle up uh, and. Um, I'll often drop a question just to check in with folks. How are they doing? What's a word to describe how they're feeling today? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll often do maybe three minutes of exercise, some calisthenics, uh, some yoga poses. Lately, I've been bringing things that I'm finding to read to them um, related to COVID. Uh, And it just allows us just to pause and think about the power of narrative
0: before we start our day. And what is that day looking like for you? I, I know that you have treated, I, I'm not sure quite frankly how many in the medical center are um, you know, presumed positive or positive at this point, but I know you've had encounters and interaction with COVID positive patients. Right. How does that go? What does that look like?
1: So it kind of depends because our hospital, we've segregated patients and sure. so we have patients who are, are with COVID, ruling out COVID, and then COVID negative. And so we have patients all over the hospital. And so it's it's been an adjustment for us because you have to sort of plan your day different on who you're going to start to, with to see. We'll often start with our cancer patients um, because they're very vulnerable. They've had chemotherapy and their immune system is um, compromised. Um, and then see our, our COVID positive and our rule-outs later on, unless they're obviously um, more unstable. It also has meant that we don't get to keep our usual routine. We, there's a lot of new faces that we're working with, a lot of new nurses. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit
0: it's kind of
1: stuttery, I guess, sure. is a good way to describe it.
0: Sure. So tell me, um, when you were seeing a a covid positive patient, what you need to go through prior to seeing that patient, and then sort of your mental mindset and how you 're going to talk to them and, and yeah so
1: the the ward the covid ward is completely changed. Even the, it's changed the landscape of how even the ward looks like. Mm -hmm. Now there's all this plastic that they've built, these little anti-rooms. Sure, the negative pressure rooms. The negative pressure rooms. um, And, you know, the equipment that you need, the PPE, isn't always in front of the door. Now you have to go to this other part of the hospital and get the ppe and then come back and then put it on but before you go in you want to check in with nursing to see do they need you to take in a meal tray are there any meds you could take in with you so we can really limit the amount of times people are going in and exposing themselves right and using ppe so it's a lot of uh yeah it's it's just different like you can't just sort of be in reflex mode it's a lot more mindful um, which, again, kind of goes back to that little morning huddle, is, is that kind of gets us to reset so that we are paying attention. Um,
0: yeah, it's a for, step-by-step process. And we yeah. and we actually watched you go into one of those rooms. Mm-hmm. So how do you interact with a COVID patient to to, to keep their spirits up? And, 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 and what are their attitudes like? I, I would assume there's a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you work with patients like that to to... Make them feel better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think for my practice is just to continue to, to show up, to be reassuring, um, to let them know, you know, everything as we learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that's changed that I'm seeing is that, you know, it, it used to be okay to touch our patients. Um, and now... And now we don't do that, right? Yeah. We'll often get a medical history through a, a telephone call, where we'll call the patient's room and, and visit with them, and then just go in very quickly to do a very, you know, sort of cursory physical exam and maybe deliver the plan.
0: Does that bother you that you can't? I hate it. Tell me why.
1: I hate it. I hate it so much. I think for me, you know, I I, I think I've shared with this with you before. I am a professional extrovert, and I'm a part time hugger. <laughs> appropriately of course uh and it's it is so lonely to not be able to particularly when people are in crisis when they are suffering and there's so much pain and i i can't i can't comfort you in the way that i would be norm you know pre-covid would normally you know maybe reassure you and um you know touch your shoulder um, hold your hand uh, even even spouses, you know which i I think is so heartbreaking, is is that families can 't visit their loved ones in the hospital right now.
0: I would assume that that 's partly why you went into medicine because of this personal interaction and the joy you get from that yeah
1: absolutely yeah and and I think that 's part of my job as a clinician is is that when people come in and they 're not they're not at their best i get to help them make sense of their story so i collect their story and then i collect all this data and maybe ask other services for their opinions and we do testing and that sort of thing and then i have to kind of like put it all together and make sense of it so that i can tell tell them to help them make sense of their own story and part of that is there's often really serious news yeah right and, and there's, I think a lot of fear that our patients have as far as, well, who else has this that I've been in contact with, you know, and feeling like they maybe gave it to, to their loved ones. Um, in reality, they got it from their loved ones probably, but we'll never know.
0: Yeah. At the same time though, um, I also want to get across a because I, I know that VA is such an extraordinary healthcare system that we have done just about everything we can do mm-hmm. to keep them safe, to be prepared, to understand, to treat. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and I think looking forward, things are positive. At least that's, you know, what mm-hmm. we're... Maintaining here. That's the attitude here that I sense.
1: Yeah, I, I would second that for sure. As I mentioned, because the architecture, or the landscape essentially is changing in the hospital with the wards looking different, with all this PPE that we are now wearing religiously, um, we've also gone to a universal masking policy uh, here at the VA. And so everybody's wearing masks, it's just becoming part of the, the culture. Um, and I'm very, I feel very proud of our VA for the leadership for all, like I tend not to really love meetings, but I have been more than happy to be on committees and plan and show up for these meetings because our leadership really listens. And I think this is such an interesting, um, time in our history because It isn't just coming from the top down. It's like we're all in this together and so we all get to, you know, kind of like look at it critically and think like, Oh, well what about that? Or what about this? And so like I'll be on even a couple of weeks ago I was on service and nurses were coming up to me and saying, Well, what do you think if we did this? And I'm like, That's a great idea. Let's let's let you know let's, yeah, let's let our leadership it. know let's do it let's i think that's amazing so i really feel like there's this like real engagement that i've never seen before
0: and a real um togetherness yes. uh, uh the camaraderie yeah. um, it's we just feel closer yes there's together, a,
1: a collective um i definitely agree
0: and at the same time and i know Communities are starting to relax, and and we're we're trying yeah. to phase back into whatever that new normal is. But it's, it's still pretty day to day. Yes, at this point, am am I right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And I definitely worry as things start to relax, um, that there will be more cases.
0: I worry about that, too. Yeah. Is it too soon? Are we doing the right thing? I mean, one can never know the right right answer. Right. Talk to me about your emotions through Mm. all of this. You knew I was going to go there. Yeah. (laughs) You gave me that look. I because I know you're so passionate, and I I've talked to some of your colleagues, and you've just been in this a hundred percent, and you're probably up, down, and yeah, and it's all been a around. roller coaster. Yeah, so uh, take me through that.
1: I feel like it happened really abruptly, where you know, one week I'm traveling to to the West Coast, and the next week I'm you know, at the grocery store buying two weeks of frozen veggies
0: <laughs> right?
1: and chicken breast. And I'm like, what just happened? Um, and there's no toilet paper, you know, and I'm, it just, it felt very surreal. Um, and I wasn't used to being home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I live alone. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm never home. I'm always just like out and about and I'm doing things and I have this meeting and that meeting and then there's, you know, just a little butterfly and so or a hummingbird and so it was uh it was this new adjustment and it just felt like I don't know. I and I and I looked around and I just felt like look, we're all kind of wounded, but no one's really saying anything, right? Like it's just yeah. we're all kind of numb and walking around like zombies. And then, about a week into that, the tears started for me, where I would just cry, and like nothing even was wrong but i would just start sobbing and i'm like this is not sustainable right like i actually have to do a job
0: <laughs> well right because you have you're just a normal person on one hand and then you have the burden of what you do for a living right. being a frontline healthcare provider and they're kind of colliding and you've got to balance right. that
1: and this worry of is this going to be like an italy is this going to be a new york city so my background is uh, geriatrics and I do a lot of palliative care and hospice work. And so I just kept thinking am I going to be like walking around and 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 basically putting people on hospice? Am I going to be telling people like you don't qualify for a ventilator? It just it yeah, it it just weighed so heavily on me.
0: Well, of course, because we all see the news yeah. from from the other places. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you had to empathize with those places and wonder, oh, what if that's me in a couple weeks? Right. Yeah. And I
1: knew I I knew I could do it, but I also knew that the that the fallout from that would be uh, would take a, an emotional toll. You know, usually when I'm on service, it it might be that I put um, or I have two family meetings in a week and maybe one of those veterans is hospice eligible and enrolls in hospice services. So essentially we're saying, look, your life expectancy is less than six months and we're just going to focus on comfort and your dignity. Sure. But I I was envisioning that this would be happening, you know, multiple times a day. And I just thought, oh my gosh, can I... This is going to be exhausting.
0: Have you had to have those difficult conversations surrounding COVID with with family members?
1: I have, but it's been nothing like what the providers in New York City are dealing with or Chicago or um, certainly Italy. Good. So I'm very grateful. I think for me, the other part of this emotional roller coaster has been just the pr- preparatory anxiety. As I attended meetings, as I talked to my teams as I worked with nursing staff, like that's all we were doing was just like revving up for this thing that, you know, that was coming the steep part of the curve and we had to flatten the curve and we had to get everything ready. And that, that takes a lot of sort of emotional bandwidth.
0: Of course. And you have this fear hanging over your own fears, your own mortality hanging over your head as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I
1: live alone and like, if I get COVID, my apartment's small enough I could probably crawl to the bathroom um, but it's like who's gonna take care of me and what if I end up on a ventilator so there was all this sort of existential sort of questioning as well where I started to sort of think about like well what matters to me yeah. right as if I was having this sort of end-of-life conversation with a patient or their family you know like what do I value what do I prioritize
0: I think we're all having those conversations with ourselves. I, I thought the same thing too as I work from home a little bit more and I'm yeah. and I'm with my family more and so all those little issues prior to COVID don't seem yeah, um, nearly as important, and I'm like, well, yeah, this is all that matters. My my kids, my husband, uh-huh. we're safe. We have food.
1: Yeah, we um, have our health. We have everything.
0: Yes, and and comparatively to a lot of other people who aren't as as fortunate. So I look at it as, as I mean, certainly not a positive because this has been a catastrophe. For, yeah. But um, as sort of a, a reset to yeah to be grateful. Yeah, you said something earlier when we talked about you know the anxiety and the and the build up and and when you're not working is actually worse than when you are working mm-hmm. because that's when you just kind of click into go mode and that's when the provider in you comes out. Mm-hmm. Why do you do this? Why do you keep putting yourself, or I'm sorry, the mission before your yourself? I mean, what mm-hmm. what drives you every day?
1: That's a great question i think I think now, more than ever before, I recognize like how lonely this virus is um I'm certainly lonely, and, yeah, and I think loneliness has definitely like pushed me in a lot of parts of my life to be better and to connect more and um just to be curious about other people's story uh and I think for me, like showing up and doing this work is how I find meaning and and purpose and what I do. you know you mentioned the the when I'm not at work, how you know i'm kind of miserable <laughs> that's even changing, which is kind of on the bright side, good, uh, yeah, and I think it's sort of this like adaptation with over over time i'm Actually, I wouldn't say enjoying it, but I'm, I'm okay moving slower. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if I don't get everything on my chore list done. Um, and my days don't revolve around meetings. Now they revolve around meals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can second that.
1: And it's okay. Like, it's almost like my, my nervous system just needed a chance to exhale.
0: I think that's a very uh, good way of of putting it. And you know what you you are in a in a in a lonely profession right now. And healthcare mm-hmm. providers and nurses and a- everyone that has to do with caring for people in nursing homes. I mean, y- you guys have all had to be so hyper vigilant and and so isolated and work such long hours. So if you said at one point you were miserable at home, I mm-hmm. I mean you're tired. But we thank you. Oh, thanks. We thank you so much. And, and I'm assuming moving forward, status quo. We're just going to remain safe, mm-hmm. expand services small, in small places where we can, and continue to take care of veterans. I'm sure that's what you're hearing and what you're telling your staff.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think this is going to be with us for some time. And I know that a lot of people in government are very excited about potential treatments and vaccinations and, and that sort of thing, and so are we in, in healthcare as scientists. And we're not there yet. We've got to do it safely.
0: Thank you, Amy. Yeah. Dr. Amy Cowan, she's a hospitalist and she's on the front lines for the VA taking care of veterans. I can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and of course, be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I am a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm. This is very personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening, and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us, or better yet, Televet and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to ksl slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.